Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Hey, back check time, everybody. Episode 17, Brendan Azov, Stefan Rosner here. It's time to kick off another great episode. And we have a lot to talk about today because, you know, the Rangers won a game. The Islanders won a game. Very rare do we have a show where both of us are smiling. And we have that today. We have a great guest coming on, Stephen Fogel. So let's go. Let's get to it. I know you you have something yes. that you think is going to make me laugh, which is hard. Hard business here, so let's hear it. I don't want to make you laugh. I just have, you know, it is what it is. So last week on the episode, we just berated Carey Price for being <laughs> terrible this year. And um, he has been. He, he won yesterday. He got 26 and 27. So I'd like to apologize to no. absolutely nobody. It's absolutely nobody because he played the Ottawa Senators and they are downright trash. So I'm not going to congratulate Carey. I'm going to congratulate Carey Price for getting his confidence up. But he beat the worst team in his division, one of the worst teams in the league. And if he didn't win that game, that's on him. So congratulations that you did your job for one night. I like that. you. I thought you were actually going to apologize, in which case I would have left the show. Because there's no reason to apologize. He's been terrible this season. I'm not, I'm and apologizing. He's, he's been the worst goalie on the Montreal Canadiens. So that says something. But Jake <laughs> Allen's actually been good. Uh, that's, so. that's the funny part. Because you brought him in here to help Carey Price stay Carey Price or be better. And have him balance out, and he's just been the better guy. But you're the one that you're the reason that Carey Price got the win, because you had to tweet out the the emoji thing from our account on the back check, saying why is he starting Carey Price, and boom, just like that, one goal allowed. So many turns back. So way to way to go, Stefan. Way to take that uh that our little rant and turn it into a bad look for the back check. Prove to me that I'm the one that tweeted that. Because it wasn't me. Uh, I didn't do it. You know, who who did it? Somebody hack our account? Great, we got to call Twitter security. Alex Chason did it. Alex Chason. After he cross checked Jimmy Vc, which we're going to talk he's about. He's doing right it, now. doing it from the press box. After that little, I mean, I don't know what Vc said. He probably said he had to chirp him. He, he said something you can. He said something you cannot say right now. I guarantee it. You can't say it right now on air. Yeah, so. Like my bad language. I mean, if we didn't have to put this on the clean content side of Apple and Spotify, I could probably give you a good guesstimate of what he said. <laughs> but, but we will uh, we'll, we'll leave that to mystery. But yeah, that you can't be doing that. And he got suspended yeah. the game. I love the, the player safety review. It says, that's not a hockey play. That's why he's suspended. The cross check is a common penalty, but that's not a hockey play. It, what do you mean, call that's it? not a common penalty. I was going to say, it's not a common penalty because I wanted to talk about this. That's a cross check. That's dirty. But the amount of cross checks you see in a hockey game, and they go, "Okay, you know what? We're just going to call that one." You know, that one looks like it. The weakest one of all of them, too. It's not even the most dirty one. It's it's the weakest of the cross checks, the little fagazi ones, and it's just ridiculous because I don't understand it. How can you cons? You know, you want to be consistent. I get goalie interference is probably one of the most inconsistent calls in the NHL. And they're cracking down, which I appreciate that as a goalie myself. I appreciate that. But cross checks are just. 50 50 or when they're going to call if you're battling in front of the net and people are cross-checking back and forth and someone falls down i would call that a hockey play i'm not calling that because they're going back and forth it's not one person one person might be weaker and that's where they fall down but that's a hockey play in front of the net but when you're going around just cross-checking people and no one's calling it and then you call the one in front of the net a la tom wilson i just i just don't get it i don't get it at all i want i don't like penalties being called i like pace of play to stay let the let the players play 
But if you're going to call it one cross-check, and later in the game, the same cross-check's going to happen, and it's a worse cross-check, you have to call it. Adam Fox did something yesterday in the game. I think it was against Jeff Skinner in the left corner. I noticed it right away because I used to do it all the time. But Skinner was kind of like giving him the business going after a dumped-in puck. And yeah. Fox pulled up to let Skinner get the angle. And he made it look like he was giving him one of those minor cross checks to the back, but he pulled down on the back of the pant because it sticks out. And Skinner just dropped right to his butt. And Fox took the puck, went the other way. And I started laughing because as a defenseman, if you're blocking out in front, that pant is always open. And if you can get it, they're they're going right down. They have no control over it. He did it, got him right to his backside, took the puck away. I was hysterically laughing. There was no penalty called in the play. So that's the type of cross-check defenders have to work on because if you can get your, your stick caught in the back of that pant, it's a beautiful look. Jeff Skidder can't do anything. He had so many chances yesterday, too. Shesterkin robbed him, robbed him on the back door. When it's not going well, Brendan, you know, I know how hard it is to get anything done. When it's going bad, it's going bad. Oh, it's, it's going bad for me in my in our men's league, too, because I must have missed that about 17 times the other day. So I feel Jeff Skinner on a personal as a, level. As a goalie, I except, have to say I've never missed the net. Except I pay $200 to play men's league, and he gets paid $8 million to miss the net. So I think it's worse on him. I think it's a little worse on him. So Andre Vasilevsky is on a roll right now, Brendan. He's three straight <laughs> up. Yes. Two came against Dallas, and one came against Carolina. And obviously, Carolina's neck and neck, which is kind of crazy. You thought Tampa would just take off and run that division, clear a favorite to win. Carolina said, uh, absolutely not. You're going to wait for us. They're like holding on to their pants. I mean, he looks like me and Ishil. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing Chell goalie right now, but it's got to be on easy mode, right? We talked about uh, McDavid, how it looks like he's playing in a level that's too low for him. Sometimes yeah. Vasilevsky looks like that too. And right now is one of those times, but he's absolutely rolling. Like He's on you, a tear. You take look at him as the best goalie in the NHL. Positioning-wise, just everything about him, size, he's... Yeah, and, and he doesn't miss many games either. Like they don't play their backup often. I think it's Curtis McElhaney, and yeah. he, he eats starts, eats them. Maybe in the end of his career, that'll come back and bite him a little bit. But right now, he's out there every game. He's doing this almost every night. When he gives up three goals, you go, that that's Andre Vasilevsky. That's how you know he's a good goalie. Well, I think the biggest thing is he's probably one of the other one of the only goals in the league. That could probably have played all 56 games this season and had no problems. And I think the fact that he plays so often allows him when he's dialed in to stay oh, yeah. as dialed in as he is right now. If you're taking him out of the lineup every other game to play a backup or every two starts, I don't think he's going to be this hot because once once a goalie's feeling it, he doesn't want to come out of that net. And Vasquez right now has just been absolutely stellar. And that team in front of him is the best, the best team in front of him to have, but he's still playing really well. So, guys, just make sure everyone knows 615. We got our special guest coming on, Boy underscore Steven. Good Twitter follow for any Rangers fan that's looking for, you know, some interesting stats and some uh, Quinn rhetoric. I know we're going to get into that a little bit uh, in a little <laughs> bit soon. But before we get to that, I do have a question that I want to pose, and I think it's fair. We were waiting for this, right? We It seemed like it was McDavid's for the taking, but Patrick Kane making a serious push for the heart and I know he's six points behind McDavid right now, but is he the favorite for the Hart Trophy? And I'll, I'll answer this, Brendan, since it's the only audience in the room. But um, uh, hands down, hands down. Look at the Chicago Blackhawks team to start this year. No captain. Jonathan Taves out for who knows when he's coming back. No goaltending. This, again, start of the season. No goaltending. Kirby Dock gets hurt. You know, all these things against this team. How Chicago is going to be terrible. Remember, they made the playoffs last year. Yeah, They snuck in. They made it. No business making it. They made the playoffs last year. This year, everybody checked them off. This is not happening. They can't do it again. What has Patrick Kane done? He put on a Superman Superman outfit like he did in the shootout a couple of years ago in the uh, NHL All-Star game when he shot the puck and it broke into a million pieces or he did the <laughs> Superman slide, whatever. He's been phenomenal, Brendan. And the reason I'd say him over McDavid for the heart is, you know, Chicago has great players. Like, they have good players. But if you take McDavid away from that team, Drysaddle's probably playing top minutes, and he probably does similar stuff on the power play, everything like that. You mean Edmonton. What'd I say? You just reversed the teams. I meant Edmonton. My bad. Anyway, so Edmonton. But for Chicago, you take Patrick Kane away this year, this team is doing absolutely nothing. And his leadership, he does wear an A. He's just a phenomenal hockey player. He's a talented hockey player. And really, without him in the lineup, this Blackhawks team is nowhere. 
if they don't make the playoffs, he's not winning it. But I think if they find a way to sneak into that last spot or even higher, if they keep it up, it's got to be him hands down. So first, how do you remember that he wore a Superman thing in an All-Star Game shootout, but you can't remember like a simple message that I sent you two days ago or if you told me something? <laughs> I, I, I want to stay inside your head for one day just to figure oh, out no, how you your don't. memory works. No, but I think that Patty Kane is definitely going to be considered. And what an absolute beautiful goal he scored for his 400th, too. <laughs> I, I mean, he towed it, towed it, waited, waited, made Grice... Grice went up and down like a like a Bugs Bunny character, and he just kept fidgeting. He just beats him. That's Patrick Kane, vintage Patty Kane. So I think he's definitely in the heart conversation, no doubt about it. Is he the favorite? It's tough to say because McDavid is McDavid. But 11 goals, 23 assists, 34 points already. I mean, he I'm, is carrying this team. I'm just kind of over the hype of Edmonton. Like every year, it's McDavid. McDavid's going to go, and they're going to do great things and not do anything in the playoffs to do anything like that. Well, I don't think Chicago would have a chance if they made the playoffs. It's just... Just the nature uh, of the beast. They didn't they have a last year, and they, no, they no, did no. something. No, to make the playoffs, yes, but to go oh. far in the playoffs, I really don't think so. I don't think their team is compact enough. But I'm just over Edmonton. The hype with McDavid. You have the great greatest player in the NHL on your team, and you just can't get things done. And you have uh, Patrick Kane putting his team on his back. Like honestly, Kane right now is reminding me of Zibanejad last year for the Rangers. That's what he's reminding yeah. me. Every single night, he's showing up, getting the job done, helping his team win. For a team that probably has no business winning majority of the time. Correct. And before we cut to a quick 30-second commercial break and and uh, segue into the interview, I, we do have to address that Derek Stepan is now out for the season with a torn labrum. He only had six points in 20 games after being acquired by the Senators. Not off to a great start for him. And now his first season in Ottawa is concluded. Ryan Ellis, which is a big loss for Nashville, four to six weeks, upper body injury, nine points in 21 games, averages over 24 and a half minutes ice time, though. So that's a big void to fill on that blue line. And obviously, the bigger loss, you would say, is Ryan Ellis because Nashville is closer yeah. to a playoff spot than Ottawa is. I think Ottawa is like uh, eight points out right now. Nashville is Nashville's eight points out, actually, as well. So that math is completely wrong. But Nashville has a better chance of making the playoff than... I'm on fire tonight, Brent. You but are. This is going to be a long of, show. Yeah, you look at Nashville, and <laughs> they need Ellis. They need him. He's been a staple on their back, and he's... You know, he's physical, he lays the body, he does everything you want him to do in a defense run. And with Yossi, they're just like a perfect pairing, um, just the both different types of game styles. But I step on too, though, it sucks because, you know, he's a leader. That's the biggest thing. Ottawa is trying to learn, grow as a young team. And you got, the reason Stepan's there is not because he's going to lead this team and score every goal and, you know, be the MVP of this team. It's to get these younger guys to the next level. Him not being a lineup, Really hurts that development. And while they might develop and he'll be in the, you know, he'll be in the locker room, he'll be in the press box, he'll watch the games to help the kids out. It's not the same as being on the ice and watching a, an older guy get the job done and, you know, mimicking your game after him. Derek Stepan will forever be living in my memory with that. Uh, Braden Holpe beating him on that game seven OT shot. I mean, that was my laptop background for so long. One of was my that hang- Was that hanging in your college dorm room? I, I made a custom flag of it. Yeah, like that's my favorite moment ever. So he will always have a special place in my heart. Great Ranger. And I think it's very underappreciated what he did for that organization. But without further ado, let's head to a 30-second commercial break before we welcome our special guest. Hey, everybody. It's Brendan here. Do you have old jerseys? What about old hockey equipment? Rather than throw these items out, our friends over at Alternate would love to have them. This nonprofit converts jerseys into reusable face masks, the same face mask the New York Rangers wore in the bubble this past postseason. The old equipment you donate will be given to less fortunate children throughout the state. It doesn't matter what team you root for. Let's all come together to make a difference and grow the sport of hockey. To learn more, head to altronite.com. That's altronite.com. All right, always good representing out tonight. Now let's welcome Stephen Fogel to the show, better known as his Twitter handle at Statboy underscore Stephen. How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. I mean, we got a lot to talk about. A little bit of a do we? Has anything happened over the last week? Or I, I don't know. The Rangers have been relatively boring, which is a word that doesn't go synonymous with them this season, at least. So let's yeah. definitely kick it off because he's got uh, he's got the first couple of questions to give you. 
Steven, how you doing? So, okay, first off, last night, Zabanjad looked pretty good. He picked up an assist on the Rangers' first goal. And will you take a performance like this, even if it's not a goal, like just the way he played last night? Um, Look, over the last two weeks, I would say, I think Zabanjad has been playing better. He doesn't look like he's playing. He's not playing bad. He just seems snake bitten. So he he still looks a little bit slow. Um and some Ranger fans have been joking, like maybe he should cut his hair. Maybe, maybe, maybe that should, maybe that will speed up his game a little bit. Um, but this is what happens when a player um, joins the team late. You know, you see this all the time when players are holding out during their contract negotiations. I remember when Stepan, who you were talking about a minute ago, uh, when he was holding out in 2015. Um, he only joined the Rangers, I think, in August. And the first couple of games, he really was slow to get into the game. And Zabanejad had a similar issue. And this was COVID-related because he tested positive for COVID in Sweden. And he was only allowed to uh, fly to New York on the 31st of December, then had to quarantine for 10 days. So he could only join the team on the 10th of January. And the season started on the 14th. So he had a four-day preseason, basically. And... I mean, if you play beer league hockey on a Friday night, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it takes you two weeks, and then you're you're on the same level as your teammates because it's you know it's beer league hockey. But yep. when you play in the best league in the world, it's going to take you a lot longer to get up to the same level that your teammates have been working towards for the last two months when you've only had four days. Um, so I think Zabanja is getting better. I think, and we've I've been saying this: the, the points will come. Um, and last night, I think that's the Banajad line with Bujnevich on the right and Lafreniere on the left has the potential to be one of our better lines. They have really good chemistry. <clears throat> and um, what makes me happy is that the other really good line I've seen so far this season was actually Panarin, Strom, and Kako. So if those two lines can keep that chemistry up, we have in potential two top six lines with a third line that has Chris Kreider on it. Now, that's the depth that you need as a team to win a cup. If you look at the Penguins in 2016 and 17, they had Crosby on their first line, Malkin on their second, Kessel on their third line. Their third line was Kessel, Bonino, and Hagelin. That was one of the best third lines, not just that season, but in the entire decade, I feel. And that's what won them two cups. So I'm not saying that the Rangers will win a cup with Kreider on the third line, but having that depth definitely helps. If those top lines with Panarin and Zibanejad can really get clicking, then I think the offense will pick up. And I, I don't expect the Rangers to make the playoffs this year because it's still a rebuilding year. But if they can show glimpses, if their young guns can can really progress and 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 show some so show some glimpses of what they can do, it's it's it'll be a good season. And Lafreniere is already doing it. Kako has been great on the ice. Um, I've been tracking this on Twitter. You know, his turnover is uh, takeaway to giveaway ratio is the highest in the league. That's something that you would expect from a guy like Mark Stone, not from Cabo Caco. So yep. the glimpses are there. Let's hope they can consistently show it a little bit more later in the season. But I'm I'm really excited about this team's future. Yeah. Before Stefan gets to the next question, I just want to say you mentioned Kreider being on the third line. That would be a third line that's centered by Philip Edel, and on the right wing would probably be Colin Blackwell, who's been producing like crazy lately too. So that's a, that's a pretty Blackwell, solid top nine. Blackwell or Kravtsov or maybe Julian Gauthier takes the next yep. step. You forget Kravtsov's close too to coming over here too. So it's exciting. It's exciting it, time. It gives you options. And you can even swap uh, Strom and Hedl, have Strom on the third line and have Hedl on the second line with Panarin and Kako. It gives you options when everyone's healthy and when people are – Getting into that groove, I think it's exciting. And our biggest flaw last season was our defense. I don't think it was Lindy Ruff's fault. Let's, let's be clear. I think the fault, the, the, the problem was Brady Shea and Mark Stahl being on the team. But replacing, <laughs> replacing them with guys like Keandre Miller and having Ryan Lindgren in a bigger role and hopefully next season Nils Lundqvist coming in, I'm, I'm just excited about what this team can do. In goal, they're already solid. Defensively, they're making strides. And offensively, if Zibanejad can get back to his old form, there's there's no reason why this team cannot be a playoff team next season. So right. that's what we thought this year would be the year that, you know, the defense would struggle, the offense would be their offense, and they, they wouldn't make the playoffs because of their defense. 
And it's been, it's been crazy because it's been the complete opposite. You get the young guys on defense stepping up and playing really well, and the veterans on yeah. offense can't find the back of the net. And it's, I get how frustrating that is as I'm, someone that covers the Islanders and watch the Islanders, scoring is a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been a little better this year, but it's like the complete opposite issue for the Rangers and the Islanders. But you did mention yeah. Pavel Buchnevich. He's got 15 points in 20 games this year. What do you make of his play this year? Um, I think a lot of Ranger fans often forget that he's only 25. Um, he's turning 26 later this year. He's still relatively young. He's been on the team for almost five seasons. He played in Russia for three full years after he was drafted. So it might seem like he's already approaching 30 if you think about it, but he's only 25 and he's really finally showing the potential that we always knew he had. And some Ranger fans are willing to trade him. And yeah, if you go for the right player, then including someone like Wojnevich in the deal makes sense because you need to give up to get something. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't label Pavel Wojnevich as a player that I would want to get rid of if I'm the general manager. Like Ryan Strom is someone you move on from. Pavel Wojnevich is someone you would have to look for a replacement for, if that makes sense. That's the difference between those two. Um, I think Wojnevich is now on pace for a 60-point season uh, uh, in 82 games, prorated. So... Uh, and it's, it's just it's it's much more than his points. If you look at him on the ice, he he makes things happen. And with Lafreniere, uh, there seems to be a good click between those two. Um, I would I would be a little disappointed if the Rangers trade him, but then again, it depends on what that trade is for. Um, yeah. Are you trading him one for one for a center? Then I would probably be unhappy because it doesn't really fix anything. If you package him for a center that actually is on your team for the next decade, you know, someone like Barkov. Just, just, just say his name. He's a performer of Barkov, not Eichel. Or the guy in Buffalo, Eichel, is also a good option, of course. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I'm kind of with you on this, though. Barkov is yeah. really interesting. Yeah, but why, why would Florida right now is playing – no, no, no. Well. Look, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying Florida is willing to trade Barkov, but if you look at their contract situations, Barkov is an unrestricted free agent in 2022. Let's say there's a scenario where he, he says he's not going to sign with Florida in 2022. They have to trade him to get something. Yeah. You know, so you could trade for him. And if you look at the contracts, Eichel is signed until 2026, and in 2026 he will be 30 years old. Barkov is UFA in 2022, and you could sign him until 2029. And if you look at the timeline of those contracts, in my opinion, the Barkov timeline fits better with the Rangers Cup window because the Rangers Cup window is opening up in a year or two. And ideally, that Cup window, you want to keep it open as long as possible. You don't want to be in a situation in 2026 where you have to think about extending or letting go of Jack Eichel, who is 30 years old and coming off of a contract where he makes 10 million a year. Whereas Barkov next year, if you get your hands on him, you can sign him to an extension for 10 million a year for seven years. And it takes you all the way up to 2029. So I'm not going to argue who's better if Barkov is better or Eichel. I'm just saying that Barkov fits better in the, in the Rangers timeline cup with their cup window. But I know that there's a lot of talk about Eichel and, you know, um, Lafreniere and Eichel have as many goals in games between the Rangers and Sabres this season. But, you know, um, <laughs> no, no, Eichel, Eichel's a good player. I mean, he's, well, how old is he now? 24? 24. Yep. 24. Yeah. So how long does it take for Quinn to put him on the fourth line center? Um. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, he does like Brad Howden a lot, so he does. Uh, <laughs> so um, is, is Barkov? Is Barkov Russian? No, his dad is Russian. He was born in uh, in Finland. Um, okay, because I was going to say if, if he's Russian, you're just sitting right with the Rangers, and you might as well yeah, that deal now. Russian, yeah. Um, but he, I think he speaks Russian and Finnish. I mean, his parents are Russian. His dad was a Russian uh, hockey player in Finland. That's why he was born in Finland. Um. But how, how great would it be to have a line with Panera and Barkov and Kako? <laughs> I don't want to talk I mean, about that. That would be unreal. Sorry, I'm talking <laughs> to the Rangers. I'm talking to the Rangers most now. <laughs> it's just that's a no from me. That would be unreal. But we kind of touched on it a little bit. I want your opinion on David Quinn. I know you had a very interesting stat with the penalty minutes that you had shared on, on social media. And just, you know, quick 
Yeah. Not nothing detailed, um, but your, your take on Quinn. Look, I'm I'm <laughs> I, I'm not Quinn's biggest fan, and I'm pretty sure everyone who follows me on Twitter knows this. At the same time, I also feel that Quinn is still a really good coach. He's not a bad coach. I just think he's the wrong coach for this team because one of the basic things that I feel about coaching, and this is not just hockey but any sport, is that you can either have a young team or you can have a young coach, but you cannot have both. You need some experience in the room. And I feel that David Quinn would be a much better fit for the Boston Bruins or the New York Islanders or the Colorado Avalanche who have some really good leaders on the ice or the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Vegas Golden Knights. He would be a much better fit there, in my opinion. Um, I think he's just trying too much to build, to, to tweak the little things instead of just getting the basics right. If I look at the Ottawa Senators or the Detroit Red Wings, those are worse teams than the Rangers. But if you look at their games, they get the basics right. They enter the zone with puck possession. When they're on the power play, they're always moving around. They 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 don't just they don't make basic mistakes, and the Rangers do tend to make basic mistakes. And ever since David Quinn started as the coach for the Rangers, the Rangers lead the league in bench penalties, in bench minors. Now I know that not every bench minor is on the coach, but most of them are at least the coach's responsibility. When you have a too many men penalty, something goes wrong with the line change. And a couple of weeks ago, Dale Weiss uh, was very vocal about Claude Julien being fired, how Claude Julien never told players it was their turn to skate onto the ice, and it led to a lot of too many men penalties. He was just not coaching the line changes. He was not telling people, it's your line now. So players were just looking at each other like, okay, whose turn is it? <laughs> and I'm not saying that's happening with the Rangers, but the fact that they lead the league in bench minor since the start of the 2018-19 season is at least something that that worries me. Um, but I think my biggest problem with Quinn is that, in my opinion, he's just not a development coach. And this is what he was – everyone told us that he's a development coach. He comes in to develop our young players. And I'm all for getting a development coach. When you're in a rebuild and you have young guys like Kako and Lafreniere and Miller and Fox and Lindgren to an extent, you have those young guys on the team, having a development coach makes a lot of sense. But don't go for the coach that works in college for Boston University that's basically an all-star team in college. They recruit the best prospects every year. You know, Jack Eichel, Brady Kachuk, uh, they always have players that, that mm -hmm. end up being first-round picks. If you go and look for a development coach in college, in my opinion, you look for coaches that actually make players better, that turn fifth, sixth, and seventh-round picks and undrafted players into NHL players. Those are the guys I would look at. And I'm not saying that those guys would be guaranteed successes as development coaches, but if you look at Lehman with Providence College, Madigan with Northeastern, Sandlin with Minnesota Duluth, uh, Basin with UMass Lowell, those are coaches that I would label development coaches more so than David Quinn. And I think that's my biggest gripe with Quinn. Um, there are some other minor things like him complaining after the game that Julian Gauthier played really well, but he only played six minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, yes, but you are the one in charge of, of <laughs> time on ice. They, you're basically criticizing yourself in the press conference. He does that all the time, though. He says, oh, I, I kind of forgot I should have played him more. If I'm a coach, right, and I didn't play somebody enough, you never say that. Never. Yeah, and, 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 and another, yeah, there was another example where Kako played nine minutes, and he's like, yeah, I forgot about him on the bench. How do you forget about Kako Kako on the bench? I mean, I, I get you could forget about Colin Blackwell or Kevin Rooney the first couple of games because, you know, they're basically journeyman players in the NHL. Kapo Cocker is your second overall pick from a year and a half ago. How do you forget about him on the bench? That makes no sense. So are you, a big, then, are you a big Gerard Gallant fan? Like, do you think he would be a better coach for the Rangers right now after this year? I, I don't think uh, Gerard Gallant is going to be the solution for the Rangers. Um, I'm, I'm always opposed to firing your coach midseason because it doesn't fix anything. Yeah. Um, if you are going to replace a coach, you do it in the offseason um, because, one, it doesn't ruin your entire season. It doesn't ruin the flow you have going on in the locker room. And, two, you have more options to look at. 
if they would have looked at a coach last offseason, um, I know Peter Laviolette was available. That's someone that has the experience. He took three teams to a Stanley Cup, won the Cup with one team. Um, if you want someone that has the experience to, to with some other guys next to him, uh, uh, develop a young team and he knows what it takes to win, then Peter Laviolette would be a good candidate. Um, but the Rangers now, they have Jacques Martin, who's a good defensive coach, but the other three are new. You know, this is, we have a, a basically a rookie head coach and then uh, Oliver and Brown, who are also new. So you have three out of the four people on your coaching team that have little experience. And then when players like Lundqvist and Mark Stahl leave, it just leaves such a big void that cannot be filled by anyone. No one on your coaching uh, staff has the experience to, to, to take that on. Nobody on your team has it. You sign Jack Johnson, but he's only here for a year. So he's not really your leader in the locker room. Um, you, you're, you're the biggest leader you have is Chris Kreider. But he, how old is he? 28, 29? Yep. Um, and the Rangers are now in a position where they have no one on their team. Maybe Jack Has Jack Johnson won a Stanley Cup? Nope. No. Then, I, then as far as I know, they have no one on their team who has actually won a Stanley Cup or has even gone to a final. I think that he arrived in Pittsburgh the year after they won. Okay, so most likely, unless I'm I'm forgetting about someone, there's no one on the Rangers team who has even made it to a final aside from Chris Kreider. Yep. And there's there's a crazy stat that goes around too, where the last I think it was the last thirty something Stanley Cup champions have had either a top five a top five pick and a Stanley Cup champion on their roster. Yeah, need it. To be fair, the St. Louis Blues had as a top five pick um, uh, Jay Bowmeister, who was yes. drafted top five like 20 years prior. So <laughs> Still counts. <laughs> Still counts. I, I don't want to say that really counts. And the Boston Bruins had Tyler Sagan, who was a rookie. But yep. uh, in general, yeah, you need something on your team. You know, you need experience. And like I said, I don't think David Quinn is a bad coach. Um, but I do have my issues with the way he coaches his team. When you, when you, in a press conference two days ago, literally tell uh, reporters that we need to take, we, we take too many penalties, yep. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I pointed that out. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows this. It's not news, but yeah. most of your penalties are bench minors. So. <laughs> I mean, exactly. It falls on him in the end, but. It's, uh, it's nice to be aware of the problem. Don't tell us. <laughs> exactly. Seriously, fix it. But yeah. uh, you recently talked with uh, Nils Lundqvist, who I know a lot of Rangers fans are starting to get excited about. So yeah. just take us through that conversation, your impressions of him, and, and what stood out to you. Um, well, I've, I've met Nils Lundqvist a couple of times. I've met his family at some games. Uh, I spoke to his sister a couple of days ago. It's just the whole family is just so wonderful to talk to. You know, they're very friendly, always always open to to you know ask me how I'm doing and um he's just Nils himself is a really uh really nice kid he doesn't he doesn't really uh take over the room in a conversation or anything but when he's on the ice that's when he shines and uh he was playing for the Swedish national team a couple of weeks ago um in Europe there's four international tournaments in the season uh they're called the Euro Hockey Tour uh, it's Sweden, Czech Republic, Finland, Russia. They each host one tournament, and this time Sweden hosted a tournament. And uh, Lundqvist played on the top pair for Sweden, and he wasn't assistant captain for the national team. This is not the under-20 national team. This is like their men's national team. And in the second game against Russia, he played 28 minutes. That's that's insane. And that I had to insane. look it up. I had to, I had to dig through the archives. That is the most any player has ever played in the history of that tournament dating back to 1996. That's that's crazy. I'm sure Adam Fox isn't loving that because he's playing that right now with the oh, Rangers. No, no, no. He needs somebody to come on in and help him exactly. out. Exactly. Someone on the right side needs to take some of Fox's minutes away. Otherwise, <laughs> he'll be he'll be done by 28. He'll be a 50 year old man by the time he's yeah. 25. Um, but yeah, Nils Lundqvist. I think Ranger fans aren't as excited about him as they are about Keandre Miller because Nils Lundqvist is playing over in Sweden and people right. don't see much of him. But if Nils Lundqvist would have made the team last last summer uh, and signed his contract and Keandre Miller would have stayed another year in college, I think the roles would be reversed. I think they are on the same level. 
Um, they bring different things to to the game. I think Lundqvist is just a really smart player. He he's five eleven, but he plays like he's six four. He he hits players in open ice, and they just fall flat on their backs. And these are players that are six four, six five. It's crazy. Um, and he's he's only twenty years old, but when you see him, and I've been to some games, and I always try to sit close to the bench and observe players to see what their behavior is on the bench, how they respond to a bad shift, how they respond to their team getting a goal against. And Nils Lundqvist, what stood out to me is that he's always leaning over the boards. He's always coaching. He's never He never sits down. He's coaching the defensemen on the ice. And these are guys like Gustafsson, who played in the NHL, Jesper Selgren, who, who was drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes. These are not guys that are, that are 17, 18 years old. These are guys that are veteran defensemen sometimes that are 28, 29 years old. And he's on the bench leaning forward and actively coaching. He's like a little general on the bench. And that is just, that's so great to see because that's something you don't often see from young players. You know, young players usually are the ones who listen and they go, okay, yes, I'll do this. I'll do that. But he's usually the one that goes, hey, and, and he points, he literally points towards, you know, where players need to be. And it's just, it's so refreshing to see. And when he, when they played against Russia in the tournament, there was a close-up of uh, the, they had a power play in overtime and they took a timeout and they had a close-up of the board and the board literally showed all the lines going to the top of the circle where Lundqvist positions. Every line on the board went into that corner. <laughs> So that's just that's just fun to see. I mean, yeah, he is his bread and butter when it comes to goals is on the power play, but he's so much more than that. His gap control is great. He's I wouldn't say he's as good as Adam Fox because not a lot of defensemen are, but he's he's close. And I think he will slide right in with D'Angelo gone. Um, and I'm just really excited. I'm excited and sad at the same time because after following him around all these years, now he gets to go to New York and. It feels like I was talking to my girlfriend about this. It feels like my kid's graduating and moving <laughs> off to college. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's true, though. It's a, across the pond now. But yeah. one more player that's also overseas before we uh, before we end this up and is Vitaly Kratsov. And, <clears throat> I mean, they're in the KHL playoffs right now, but um, Rangers fans over here are just waiting for him to come over. This has been something that we were hoping would happen last year. Me and Stefan got the, the pleasure of watching him in – Hartford when uh, in Binghamton when he was playing with the Hartford Wolfpack and there was a couple of games where he looked explosive but then when he kind of had a mistake he, he let his emotions get the best of him and had some of those uh, running with the motions if you will around the ice so when do you think Tractor will be eliminated or are they fully contenders will they be around for the full time and do you think that we could see him come into the lineup right away when he heads to New York uh, well there's two different questions there let's yep. tackle the first one first um, they won their first game today. Uh, they were the fifth seed, uh, the fifth seed in the uh, East. Um, so they played on the road, game one, and uh, Kraftsov scored the first goal for them. A really good goal, breakaway, snipe, top corner, beautiful. Um, so they have home ice advantage now. Um, I don't see them going uh, all the way to the final, but. Honestly, I hope they do because it's great experience for a kid like Kraftsoft to go as far as possible in the playoffs. Um, the coach he plays for now, the coach that has returned to Trocter, is the same coach he played for in his draft year. And in his draft year, he uh, he and Trocter went, I think, to the conference finals. And this is what saw his draft stock rise late in, in, the, in the season that year. And if you look at Kraftsoff, what... Uh, yes, you, we, when when you say he was a little bit emotional after a bad game, that that's him. You know, he's he's an emotional kid, and sometimes when he misses, he misses an open net, or he sets up a teammate who misses, who fans on the shot. He he puts his head down, and he needs a couple of seconds to just you know get get through that. Get, but when 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 the big games come up, and we see this when he's in the World Juniors or when the KHL playoffs start, when when. When the lights shine brightest, that's when he's that's when he plays his best games. Um, in the regular season, sometimes he'll disappear for a game or two, but when the playoffs start, he's all over the ice. So that I hope he continues that trend when he gets to the NHL, of course. But for me, that's a good sign. Um, will Quinn play him? I don't know. I mean, will Quinn it, be it, here? 
It'll 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 be a really tough time for David Quinn to determine if he scratches Julian Gauthier or Vitaly Kravtsov, you know, because I mean maybe he can scratch both, but no, seriously, I think he's he's ready for a third line role. But if nobody leaves at the deadline, the the right side of our offense is Butchnevich, Kako, Blackwell, Gauthier. Does he slide in on the third line and you push Blackwell to the fourth line? I, I personally would do that. I mean, it, in my opinion, it's who are you looking to build with, right? Blackwell has been great, and they might actually wind up keeping him in the expansion draft because who are you going to really protect? If you really want to protect Godier when he's been scratched all these times, that's a decision they'll have to make. But for me, it's Kratzoff has really been that guy. They drafted him high, higher Ooh. than anyone expected. If you're going to build with him, why not put him on a line with Edel and let him play? And you're going to have another good winger on the other side too. The reason I wouldn't protect Blackwell in the expansion draft is because looking at the expansion draft four years ago with the Vegas Golden Knights, there was a trend where they would go for younger players that have cost-controlled years left. So I wouldn't. I, I don't think Seattle would pick Colin Blackwell in the expansion draft if he's exposed. If they have the pick of Brendan Lemieux or maybe Brett Howden, who still have some cost-controlled years left, that's much better for them. And and in the Vegas Golden Knights expansion draft, we saw the same thing. They went with Oscar Lindbergh when everyone thought they were going to go with Jesper Fast. They went with the younger player who also plays center. And yeah, with Lindbergh, it didn't work out. But value-wise, I think Brett Howden or Brendan Lemieux are better expansion draft selections than Colin Blackwell. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't protect Colin Blackwell. I would use that final protection slot for Julian Gauthier. I could, I would agree, but. Again, we've seen some questionable decisions from this uh, management before when it comes to this type of thing. So we will uh, we will see how it happens. And however that unfolds is going to be crazy because I feel like a lot of teams are going to say, you're not going to do what Vegas did to us and the last time we had one of these. So Look, I'm, just, I'm just happy the Rangers are not in a position like other teams are where they have to give up first-round picks or Correct. top prospects to keep their top players. Uh, what Anaheim did four years ago, they, they gave up Shea, uh, Shea Theodore so they could keep Josh Manson. Uh, I, I would have yeah, just protected Shea Theodore, but you know I'm a Seattle Thunderbirds fan, so I was a little bit biased at the time. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, well, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Everybody, go follow him if you don't already on Twitter at Statboy underscore Stephen. Always. Oh, one, one quick thing, if you don't mind. Sure, um, go for it. Uh, ever since fans returned to the arenas in the NHL. Alexi Lafreniere has three points in three games. They don't call you Scott Boy Steven for nothing. <laughs> Just wanted to throw that out there, you know? <laughs> it, listen, we always talked about the impact that fans might have on him. 1,800 strong so far. We'll see. Who knows? It's, it's a higher point per game average with fans than Austin Matthews or Patrick Kane in their, in their first season. So. <laughs> <laughs> Optimistic Rangers fans. We love it. All right. Steven, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. All right. Take care. Take care. Oh. All right, always a good interview with Steven. Everybody uh, go follow him on Twitter. But that was awesome. We're going to take a quick 30-second break right now, and we will come back with some Islanders talk, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, guys. Stefan here. Each night on Long Island, 180,000 residents will go hungry, 39% of which are kids who have no ability to control their situation. Our friends over at Long Island Hockey Co. are trying to help as many families as possible. Each hat sold on their website will provide 50 meals for food insecure Long Islanders. Head to longislandhockeyco.com and let's help the people in our community. SUNY Cortland Sport Management is a proud sponsor of the Backcheck. In the SUNY Cortland Sport Management program, students get hands-on training in sport event management and sport media production. The Sport Management Department is the oldest sport-specific major in New York State and boasts an impressive list of alumni, something me and Brenda know a lot about. To get more info about the program, go to courtland.edu SPM or look up Cortland SPMG on your favorite social media. SUNY Cortland Sport Management, where the tomorrow's sport industry leaders practice their craft. All right, Stefan, I'll let you kick things off. Islanders with a big win, uh, a very big win. I think I might be frozen, which stinks. But if I am and you can hear me, kick things off, Steph. 
Yeah, well, I appreciate you passing it to me. I didn't know if the audio was coming from a, <laughs> you're playing something on recording. But yeah, so Brennan's frozen. I'll take it away. I mean, you can't make faces when I talk about the Islanders. It's just great. <laughs> Islanders pick up the 2-1 win last night over the Devils, and by no means this is a good game for the Islanders. They had their chances, but look, look sloppy. But, oh my God, Oliver Wallstrom, Brendan, what a shot. And you're back. You're unfrozen. Congratulations. But No, I'm not. Oh, I can hear you, though. I can oh, hear great, you perfectly. Great. So we're chilling. Perfect. So Wallstrom is on a five-game point streak. And he's got three goals and three assists. But the goal he scored last night. So the other goals, you know, power play, all that kind of stuff. But you're seeing last night his quick release. With speed entering the offensive zone, snipes Dell high blocker side, and all the Islander fans that we need a sniper, we need a sniper, which I understood before the season began. Like, completely yep. understood that thought because the Islanders did need one and they had chances to get guys in the offseason. Hoffman, for example, who didn't sign for much, but again, cap was an issue. Oliver Walsh the sniper this team needs. He's you know, much cheaper, obviously, but we are seeing exponential growth like we saw with Sorokin over his last couple of starts. Every game, Wallstrom is showing confidence. After the game, he was interviewed about it. And he said he's falling in love with the little things about his game. And when you hear a player say that and about, you know, falling in love with his game, the system, everything, I'm pretty sure Barry Trott said that was music to his ears. I was and, just going to say, would Barry Trotz hand them a script? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, when a player says it, though, and that's how confident Wallstrom is right now. And I credit that a lot to playing with Pajot. Pedro's been on an absolute tear as of late. He played very well last night. I wrote an article on nyhockeynow.com about how good Pedro was last night. And, you know, granted, the Islanders didn't play a good game, but what Pedro did every shift, he his ability to get Walsh from the puck, make those plays in the defensive zone, Walsh has to just focus on playing his game. Walsh doesn't have to worry about his teammates making a, uh, a turnover in the defensive zone, having to get back. Walsh plays very well in his own zone. He takes hits, but every time he takes a hit, it seems like the other guy ends up on the rink. So this Wallstrom kid is just phenomenal, and he got an opportunity. He made the most of it, unlike Keeper Bellows, who hasn't seen ice time since he had a bad performance a couple of weeks ago. So what we're seeing from Wallstrom right now is exactly what this Islander team needed. And granted, we want to see Wallstrom playing alongside Barzal. I think that's the end goal. I don't think anyone's going to say that's not the end goal. But right now, like you talked about the Rangers, how deep they'd be if they had Kreider on their third line. Wallstrom on the third line with Pajot and Dalco, who's played phenomenal and just cannot buy a goal. He yeah. can't buy a goal. And it's, 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 un- I would say it's unfair at this point. He's putting himself in great spots. Hopefully when one goal comes, the rest will come. But that third line is a depth line for this Islander team where early in the year, top line of nothing. Say it's every week on the podcast. Now you're getting scoring from everybody. This third line has been very impressive. Another guy that's been very impressive is Anders Lee. He's got 10 goals on the year. First Islander to 10 goals. And I'm not Stat Boy Stevens. I have to write my stats down, but he's got, 10 goals in 22 games this season. Last year, he had 20 goals in 68 games. I'm no mathematician. He's on a very good pace right now. Carry the one, Brent. Don't forget to carry the one. I always carry the two instead. But you look at Anders Lean after, you know, having an unreal season, scoring, you know, 40 goals, and then doing nothing and signing a big deal. Everyone said, you know, he'll never live up to that. You know, he doesn't have to be a 40-goal scorer for this Islander team. But what he's doing yeah. right now, finishing, he's going to the dirty areas. That's the most important thing. He's going to where he made his money. The dirty areas capitalizing on rebounds yesterday, gritty goal, a couple of whacks at a goal, finally gets one past Dale. Give the Islanders a cushion and a two-goal lead they held on to. And I think to cap off the night, Simon Varlamov loses his shutout with 14 seconds left on the clock. Don't Andy Green- remind me of this. Who do I have in fantasy? Oh, Varlamov, my bad. Anyway, I don't really care about your fantasy. I'm trying to, I'm trying to discuss it. Anyway. Andrew Green falls down in front of the net after battling with Miles Wood. The clock's ticking down. Pass comes across. Miles Wood tapping. You don't blame Varlamov at all. But Varlamov was very shaky in the loss Saturday um, to the Penguins. And you're worried about, you know, playing too many games. You know, Varlamov's been the guy. Sorokin's played at there's back-to-backs. It's really been it. And you see him bounce back tonight after getting off on Sunday. Sorokin plays, gets a shutout. Back-to-back shutouts for the kid. He's been phenomenal. He wasn't tested often. Phenomenal. Varlamov comes back and stops 28 of 29. Rebound control for Varlamov was something I was really paying attention to for this game. I tweeted out right before the game. I said, I'm going to focus heavily on how he controls rebounds. There was one bad rebound that I will... I'm being hard on the guy, on Varlamov. One bad rebound that he fought off and it came out in front of his glove. Probably wants to catch it. Didn't come back to bite him. But every rebound, not just control to the corner, he ate everything up. The hard shots, he faced one high danger chance last night and it wasn't the Miles Wood goal and he stopped it. I don't know when it was, but there was a high-dinner chance during that game. Stopped it, but 
it was an easy night for him because he was in the positioning out above his crease. He controlled everything. But he goes to control his rebounds. He doesn't have to make those sporadic, crazy saves that come up on the highlight reel. You don't need a goal like this to come up on the highlight reel to win. Something about Semyon Verlamov, he's so, you know, control, he's in control when he's in the crease. And we've seen lately that blocker side has been a weakness. But last night, I watched that well, too. Blocker side, rebound to the corner, to the corner, to the corner. They tested that often, a lot. Seven hole there. Closed it down. It was a, a brilliant performance by him. Deserved the shutout. The Islanders now go on to face the um, Sabres Thursday and Saturday. Big points on the table. But the Islanders find themselves in second place in the East. And they've really turned things around as of late. They're, they have to play more consistent. They need better efforts. They didn't play well last night. But when you don't play well and still win, that's a great sign. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, you talked about Oliver Wallstrom. That yeah. shot was phenomenal. <laughs> we, we talked about it and how... I think it was a little better than Kreider's, but Kreider had a similar goal too. But just that ability to kind of pull it a little bit through the defender's legs, it changes everything completely. It and when I, angle. it does 100%. And, and when I looked at, well, looked at, look at his performance over the last five games where he's on a point streak, I just, it makes me think to myself, what could the young players on the Rangers be doing if they had a coach like Barry Trotz? And I'm not completely attributing everything that Wallstrom's doing right now to Trotz. Obviously, he's found his game. He's playing well. He's, his confidence is sky high, sky and high. you can see it. But when you look at somebody like Lafreniere, who's also on a three-game point streak, and he's got points in four of his last five, and he's starting to get better. And Kaka, who looks good this whole entire season but hasn't gotten points, what would happen? if they were playing under a structured system where they had a head coach that looked at them and everyone knew exactly where they had to be at all times, where there wasn't line shuffling every other shift for these young kids and they can get some consistency and everything was predetermined and Trotz had a a method for these kids to get there and get to that next level, what would happen? And I'm not saying that Trotz would be the perfect coach for the Rangers. He's a great coach, but he would be an ideal coach for any team in this league. And it just makes me think about it that way. But Wallstrom looks phenomenal. And and so do the Islanders overall right now, especially defensively. So when you look at the defensive system, I mean, this goal by Wallstrom yesterday comes from a play that was made in the defensive zone. So Nick Lady decided to cut to the front of the net for some reason and gave the puck up. Yep. But it went right to Pajot's stick. Pajot makes a nice outlet pass to Wallstrom out of the defensive zone. You know, Wallstrom's three-on-one going into the offensive zone and rips it, you know, pulls it in, snapshot, rips it, high blocker side on Dell. But that pl- the play was made in the defensive zone. Wilson came and carried the puck up. That's what he did. He made the play. And that's something that the Islanders need. They need players creating. You know, Le was so dominant last year because he wasn't just playing really well with his linemates, which is what Bailey was setting him up in the playoffs. Everything was great. He was dumbing the puck and going and getting, making the play, passing to the point, getting good positioning. Wilson made something out of nothing. That, I was assuming after they got the puck out that he'd probably dump and chase because no one was with him. Yep. But instead, he... Put a shot on goal, and for Wallstrom, something that he does that not many other Islander fans do is he looks to shoot right away. And the same thing with Bellows. They are offense, they're thinking offense right when they have the puck on their stick. And Wallstrom's the same, and Wallstrom's just making the most of his opportunities. And for the Islanders, that scoring is huge, with their defense being as good as it is, their goaltending being as good as, good as it is. The playoffs, you need lines to contribute. It can't be, you know, the second line was really one of the only lines besides the fourth line here and there performing. The third line was Pajot heated up. The whole season, the regular season last year, scoring was horrendous. No one was scoring. It wasn't any line was not scoring. Now you're seeing what happens when the top line's scoring, the second line's scoring, third line's scoring, the fourth line's doing their thing, and they're finding the way in the back of the net. Zizekas had so many glorious chances last night, whether it was scoring himself or setting up guys. And with the empty net, Zizekas was on his, on his knees, and he passed the puck across, and it couldn't get buried. But, you know, this Island team is clicking. And when this Island team is clicking, when they get a lead, I mean, it was 0-0 until a minute into the third yep. period. They got the lead, though. And we, you know, Bush Goring said it, too. He said, this is a game where whoever scores first is going to win this hockey. And I agreed with him. Whoever's gonna, if the Devils scored first, they probably win this game as well. But once the Islanders get a lead, just the, the you know, how hard Tross is on them to play a defensive-minded game, it just pays off so well in these close games. And, yes, the Islanders have blown leads this season. Some really, really big ones. Uh, example, the Capitals game where they allowed five goals in a second period. It was bad. Uh, a couple of nights ago, they had a two-goal lead against Pittsburgh. lost in overtime. I mean, these are points that you need. And that's 56 games in, you need. And while you can't go back in time, you can move forward. Islanders win like that, whether it wasn't a great game, they locked down defensively. They made it really impossible for the Devils to do anything. And when you could do that, and, you know, the Devils aren't going to be the Lightning if you face them in the playoffs. And the Lightnings are a lot, a lot difficult team to shut down on most nights. 
but it's getting the confidence that when we have a lead, we can get the job done. Yeah. I mean, listen, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there with when it comes to those games. And it's we see it with the Rangers, right? The one goal games that you need to win in a 56 For example, the Rangers lost. have not won the close games. The Islanders have won a close game. That's why the Islanders are tied with the top spot in the, in the East with the Capitals, 28 points. Capitals have played one last game. And that's why the Rangers are not. In the, if the Rangers had won their close games and played a style like the Islanders have, they're in the, probably the top four in this division. And it's amazing how close it would be like in this division when it comes to the, the just slim margin of error because the rangers have a better goal differential at minus one than the penguins do and the penguins have 25 points so it's almost like wow how narrow is it uh but the islanders have done their job especially of late and it's it's got to be encouraging for islanders fans to see and we're getting close to when you all will be allowed back in the arena. So I'm excited for that, and I'm not even I, an Islanders fan. So I emailed my ticket, season ticket route. So my birthday is Saturday. If anyone wants to send me a gift, I'll DM you my address, I guess. That's not creepy at all. But, big um, Sunday birthday I, show. I, I, big Sunday birthday show, exactly. We're not we're not doing it at 10 a.m. I'll tell you, I'll be hungover, as you know what. Um, but, and yes, I am of age. I'm turning 23. Just to get that out of the way. But... I want to go down to a game. You know, uh, my grandma finally got the vac- vaccine. She got it. She's getting her second shot on Saturday. So I was really waiting to go out and do things until she was safe. Cause I, you know, that's just how, how my, my mind worked about it. And now that she's getting the shot, I want to go to a game. And the problem is though, it's only 10%. So it's first come first serve, but hopefully I'll find a way to get into one of these games. They put the flyers twice next week. I hate the flyers and I would love to be there and hopefully the Islanders win, but just to get back into an arena, Brendan, I know. And I was speaking to Tolik Boris, our friend over at Ultranite, and he went to the game the Bruins won, they beat the Rangers, and I said, how was it? He goes, you know, the score. I'm like, no, but how was it being back? He said, incredible. It's just a sense of normalcy, getting our lives back, and whether you agree or not for, for arenas to open up. And if you don't want to go, that's, you know, I completely understand you not want to go. I was the same way. I did not want to go to games. I was like, you know what? I'm not leaving. It's not safe. I'm not putting anyone's life at risk. But you get the vaccine. You get the, the test beforehand, the 72 hours beforehand. You're safe at the, you know, two, two people were kicked out of the double game the other day, double Islander game, um, yesterday. I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if they were bad mouthing an Islander fan, they took their mask off, whatever it was, but you know, they're being strict. They're not taking anything from people in the, in these games. And I just want, I want to get back into the Coliseum, whether there's 10 fans or 10,000 fans, it doesn't really matter. That place is going to be roaring. And I just want to see hockey, but you have to see one in Florida. So I'm jealous. That's what I'm saying. I saw one in Florida, right? And same situation as we're now seeing in New York. The NHL has spotters at these games. For those people that think they can go there and just act like they're drinking or eating the whole time and take their masks off and and you know goof around, the NHL's got people that are legitimately scanning the crowd at all times to make sure everyone's wearing their mask, unless there is a drink in their hand going into their mouth like that, right? So you can't be doing that stuff. It's not as unsafe as people may think. And I, I know that there's a lot of people who are against it, and there's a lot of people who are in the exact opposite, and that's been one of the big things with this whole pandemic and why it's still here after a year. But the, when I went there, there was not a point at the whole time where I felt unsafe being at the at Sunrise, you know, B. And you, and and you were Center. in Florida, <laughs> and I was in Florida where everything is open. But um, it, definitely, I don't see it being unsafe, and you have to get PCR tested. Uh, three days before at the garden. I know that is that the same thing. Hours, the yeah. Yeah. So what I don't understand though. Maybe you can help me out is you know, you have to make your appointments ahead of time. Once you find out you got the ticket, I don't know how you can get a test in time. Cause a lot of players, places, places are saying you have to wait two to five days. So the faci- they have it. Like I know for the Rangers, they're yeah. partnered with Northwell health. So they have, exa- they someone have said the same thing and said, the Islanders first off practice it at Northwell Ice in East Meadow. Yep. Someone said it would be a great idea for them to partner and get these these tests to help fans. Their, so their labs are turning it around if they see because you have to do it through MSG. Like if you book it yeah. through MSG, they know. So oh, I'm I sure see. the Islanders are going to be the same way because yeah, those tests take longer than that time frame to come back. Now, if you had to get it, like if if you were one of the people, I used to wait till the day of to buy tickets. I, oh, I, I'm the same I way. I'm not going to do that now. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely unique times. I can't wait till I can wait till the day of to buy tickets again, but in, in due time for that. Hopefully yeah, so next year it'll be open. I, it better be. And if people just, everyone's got to just be responsible at this point. Put, put, put aside your political views. And if you do it to despite the opposing party, I don't care about politics. It's about watching hockey and being able to watch hockey and being, but more importantly, being safe. If it's not safe to watch a game, 
I'm not going to go and I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to deal with it. And at the end of the day, I'm going to do what I can. You're going to do what you can. We're all going to do what we can to get through this because the sooner we all step up and do what we have to do, the sooner we can all go back to a sense of normalcy. We got a minute left, but I just want to say before we close the show is you made a bet tonight, Brendan, and yeah. Edmonton, right? And oh yeah, you guys got time to throw a bet if you want to follow on Brendan's footsteps because eight o'clock the Maple Leafs are in Edmonton to play the Oilers, and the Maple Leafs are welcoming welcoming back Matthews and Anderson, and Brendan's going to tell you why you don't bet them. They're due to lose. Well, whenever when whenever you have two players coming back like that, it's due to be a disappointment. I've bet that way my whole life. Can't tell you I've been successful every single time. But for me, the Maple Leafs are in a perfect storm to lose right now. Mike Smith, 6-1 and one on the season. Edmonton has to come back and bounce back, especially after that suspension. They lost to Toronto recently. So uh, I think when you're playing the same team so many times and the, the Maple Leafs have been as hot as they are, they're bound to lose a game. So I'll take Edmonton plus money. What was the line? They were only plus 105. It's because they, they're playing so many times that they yeah. have to win. So I took the I took the underdog. I took the Bruins. I took the under in the Blues Ducks game, and I took the uh, the Knights by the spread over the Wild. Because why not? You know, Brendan, you have inspired me. I was, I'm going to throw a bet after this. Let's we'll go. Talk. Let's go. Right. <laughs> so, guys, check back with us every Wednesday from six until seven. Every Sunday, we have pre-recorded shows. We put on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, please download, subscribe, give us a review. We want to know what you think. If you think the show is terrible, we want to know because we want to improve and do what we can. So everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for Stat Boy Steven coming on. It was a great interview, and we'll talk to you guys later in the week. Do you want to close the show, Brandon, or are we just going to sit still? Oh, yeah, we were going to stay. I was going to say ta-ta for now, but I didn't know if you were going to say something else, you know. But all right, we'll close the show. Check back in with (laughs) us on Sunday. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.